0: Magical. Welcome to Magic Monday. I'm Tess Whitehurst, spiritual author and spiritual teacher. And I'm Natasha Levenger,
1: energy healer, energy reader, and spiritual coach.
0: And this is a podcast about all the ways we experience and use the magic of the universe in our everyday lives. Hello. Hello. Today <laughs> in the show, we speak with Lilith Dorsey, author and voodoo priestess.
1: Yeah, that was a really informative and great conversation.
0: Yeah, I could have talked to them forever. Yeah, you guys
1: are going to love it. Y'all are going to love it. I try not to gender groups anymore. Anyhow, um do you remember our cards from last week? Because if you're new to the show, this is where we talk about the cards we picked last
0: week and, um, you know, see if they applied yeah so last week you drew fall into my arms from the starseed oracle does that that sound romantic it it doesn't look like that rings a bell (laughs) not even a little bit (laughs) and i drew um (laughs) practice daily from the cosmic dancer oracle that one the who wrote that oracle deck that was me oh great
1: So um, it's a great deck. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does
0: fall into your arms
1: mean? I mean, <laughs> I remember? feel like it
0: was kind of like you're going to feel some feelings. And <sighs> so like allow those feelings and feel supported by the goddess, by the universe. That that was, if, if I had to paraphrase okay. from the memory right. that I seem to have, it was something okay. like that. Well,
1: um, I had a very interesting week, actually. I mean, there was a lot. I was very busy. I also got really into cleaning at one point. I Uh. kept thinking of you because I was like, out of no, it seemed to happen upon me out of nowhere. (laughs) Like, I was just like, oh, my God. all of a sudden, I was just like, really, scrubbing away i love it when that happens (laughs) i thought you might (laughs) um so that felt good but um you know i i had a i had a huge realization actually i um was a guest on britain larue friend of the show's podcast her podcast is called moon to moon i think it might come out this week i don't know um i'll maybe you'll know by the time this is out you'll see it in the show notes but um I had a big realization that I think will apply to other people, which is like for right now it's sat the well it's my not my traditionally thought of Saturn return like it wasn't when I was born but it was third it was like where I was when I was in my early twenties. Oh, it's
0: like a, it's a different kind of Saturn. It's, it's just, yes. A, yes. Okay,
1: I see. Yeah, yeah. And so what I real, I had a huge realization that like at that point in my life, I was dealing with somebody, a really not good relationship where I was being gaslit and I felt, I was very lost internally. I hadn't found, uh, that's when I actually found my tools like inner child healing and I hadn't found the energy healing I do yet, but um. Um, I was certainly meditating, but I was starting to build that kind of whole um, inner, like, inner resiliency system (laughs) to help myself get there. And I was in that bad situation. Um, And I realized now, in this Saturn return, I suddenly didn't even mean to, but I on Instagram was talking about gaslight, I was like, helping people with gaslighting and Mm -hmm. boundary. And I did a Masterclass on boundaries, and like I realized, like oh my god! Then I was learning it all, and now thirty years later, I'm teaching it. I'm like, uh, here, I this is what I've learned. Yeah, let me help you. <laughs> you know, yeah. And it wasn't even like a conscious thing, but when I was talking about astrology on Britain's podcast, I was like, oh my god, that's what's happening. Now. That's so cool. Yeah, it was a really nice realization because. I did have some trepidation, actually, about this Saturn term because it's like, oh, no, that's what I went through last time. What am I in store for this time? But then someone told me that Saturn, it's kind of a funny way to put it, but that Saturn rewards you if you've done the work.
0: (laughs) Oh, right. I could see that. I mean, just like just from my relationship with Saturn as a person with Capricorn rising.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I just can feel that, you know, like, yeah, good job. you did it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And hearing <laughs> that go. tone of voice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's been really cool. Like, and I did before this, I feel like I talked about on the show, I had a couple of instances where older relationships, friendships, and stuff had come out of nowhere, and I set boundaries and felt good about it. And so it was like I enacted it, you know, in real yeah. time. And then I was like, here and then I like did a whole class on it and it's just really interesting to me so that was pretty cool
0: that's really interesting job. I'll have to look up what was going on with me when Saturn was where is Saturn again
1: well you can just think about now 30 years ago what was happening for you because oh. Saturn was in Aquarius wait 30
0: years ago oh so yeah 30 years ago for me I was it was like 12, a thir- 13
1: Oh, yeah. And it was like a three-year period.
0: Oh, but that's so interesting because that is exactly what I – well, because last night – This are you done with your, yeah. ch- your check-in? Yeah. So last night, I mean, we just went into Pisces season, which is this the um, sign of sleep and dreams. That's one of the things that rules. Mm. And, man, my dreams last night – I won't go into the details of them, but, <laughs> like – I had one that was really deeply disturbing, Mm. and it was also so, like, illuminating to this deeper level of healing. Let me just say it's, like, a deeper level of healing about the abuse that I experienced Mm -hmm. as a kid, starting right around the age of 12, (gasps) actually. Um, But yeah, it was like this like, oh, there's this whole other aspect, like more emotional aspect of this that I haven't honored Mm -hmm. based on the dream because it was just like really harrowing. And then I had another dream right after that where I was trying to process in the dream I was trying to process the initial dream and then there was like a deeper in that dream like really (laughs) uncomfortable sad scary things Mm. that were happening but when I woke up I was like oh that is just so clear and obvious like with these pain these parts of myself that are still in pain that need compassion and attention and healing and it was like Such a gift. It was like, I I was, I still, if I think about those dreams right now, I will really get sad and freaked out. But I Mm. also am like... That, I mean, that is just, was just clear as day. Like, it's time now to heal in this way and to acknowledge this aspect yeah. of what you experienced.
1: And to integrate it further. Yeah. It sounds like. Yeah, That that is really, I, I wonder if part of this is from last week when we were owning our shadow
0: work. It's No, it is. It's part of that, too, I think. Like, worthiness and, like, yes. fully being happy to be me, you know, mm-hmm. all of that stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's another thing that happened this week for me was I kept finding different. It's like the shadow aspect that I was seeing in other people kept was like morphing into different things that were annoying me about people. (laughs) Where I was like, oh, God, what's this part that I need to own? It was like new people. I was texting you. I was like, look at this. This is (laughs) 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 How, how dare she. (laughs) flaunt our stuff. No, but I knew it was all about me owning my own self. Yeah, And yeah, it's so interesting. We both had, yeah, like it's just more integration, more integration.
0: Yeah, and it is, I do think a lot about what you said about um, like, transforming our own personal healing journeys into helping other people too it's that wounded healer that chiron energy which i just Mm -hmm. feel like is such a big big part of my life is Mm. like yeah here i don't know just that i think when i was younger i used to think oh i'm gonna grow up and i'm gonna be healed and i'm never gonna have emotional pain anymore yeah and as i get older it's like actually it almost feels like more emotional pain, but I just am, like, <laughs> learning how to, how to be yeah. with it and to, like, let it open my heart instead yes. of close my heart, you Yes, know? yeah, to be more alive and present
1: right. with it. Yeah, I think when you're a kid and you feel that, it's also, like, you feel like a kid because you are a kid, and it feels, like, helpless, like... Yeah, uh, this thing's happening to me. And when I grow up, this thing's going to stop happening to me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah.
0: instead of like, oh, this is part of the whole experience. Let's yeah. Embrace it all. I stopped being impatient. Like I, I used to be like, oh, this again. Network now it's like, yeah, yeah, you you were abused and it, it really yeah. hurts. And when you yeah. th- hear about animals or people who are abused, it really, really hurts. And like, that's just how it's gonna be you know yeah but like that it can also be a way of learning to have more compassion and breathe through that and be present with that and
1: oh boy this really relates to the energy report
0: Ah, I was wondering if it would yeah it sure
1: does you were right (laughs) um okay well that's really big stuff and I'm I think that's even though it's hard it's great
0: yeah thanks a lot of growth did Ted interpret your dream for you at all? He, no, because he did not. He just woke up right while we were oh. <laughs> doing the interview.
1: <laughs> but wait, do you have that dream today?
0: Mm-hmm. Last that's night? Funny. Oh, oh mm-hmm.
1: that's so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brett has had to. Well, I've asked him to interpret a few dreams. But but I've been having a lot of dreams.
0: They are very clear to me, though. I would like. Oh they, yeah, you did need, need no his help. interpretation. I yeah. see. Yeah. Um. All right shall we move along (laughs) (laughs) yes now it's time to talk about our ads (laughs) so (laughs) that's the way we do it
1: that's we announce it ads (laughs) Ads. (laughs) so people can fast forward past (laughs) no don't do that you want to hear about it it's great um i'll just tell you that my inner child healing class opens for registration this friday and so if you want to know about that, you, well, I will, you can sign up for my <laughs> mailing list. But what you get when you do that is my masterclass on boundaries, which um, is like the, the last half of it is in a meditation that you can go through and um, reprogram what happened to you when you were little if you had a boundary crossed. Now, I tell people pick something not so triggering right away but just like thinking about a time when you had a boundary crossed and then you'll be supported by your angels and guides and um and then you redo it giving yourself everything you needed and um i have heard that people have done it more than once and found a lot of relief from it so even if you don't sign up for the class that's free that is free for you and you get a whole class on boundaries with tools how to set them stuff like that um Just side note, I was on, um, I did an Instagram live with Kate Good, former guest of the show, who's a human design expert. It was so cool talking to her. I want to get her back on here when we have time. Um, we're kind of booked up lately but um, it was so interesting to learn about like how human design you can look at your human design chart and see areas where you may have trouble setting boundaries like you can tell in your chart like, like not only like your nervous system you can see like how you interpret things and also like what centers you have open it's just really interesting so if you want to watch that you can go to my Instagram but anyway (laughs) back on track the class (laughs) you can just sign up for my mailing list and um, yeah registration opens Friday and I think it closes Tuesday I I don't know we'll figure it out but just I'd love to have you there it's a I just realized I barely really actually talked about the class I talked about the boundaries but that's okay it's a really helpful class to help you to like feel more of your inner parent And connect more and soothe yourself and feel self-love and resiliency.
0: Beautiful. Thanks. Yeah, you should do that, you guys. You should sign up for it right away before it may or may not close.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's going to close. That much is At some point. Yeah, we just (laughs) don't know when. It starts on May 4th. Well, it starts May 4th. May? No, March.
0: Oh, Oh, yeah, that's very soon. Yeah, so it's just a few days. So, um, my Good Vibe Tribe Online School of Magical Arts is reopening mm. today. Let's what? just go ahead and say That's it's big today. News. Yeah, oh, when you weren't Monday. sure. Well, I'm I'm realizing Mercury is going direct. This was my plan. When Mercury oh, goes oh. direct, we'll reopen it, and that. So let's do Monday. Oh. So Monday today, the day that this podcast comes out, mm-hmm. the doors to the Good Vibe Tribe Online School of Magical Arts will be open. And so for five days until Friday. And so oh. go to Tess
2: Whitehurst. It, oh, it <laughs> it Coming closes. up with this as I go along.
1: Well, it closes <laughs> the day the inner child healing class open.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So go to dot <laughs> com and click on Good Five Tribe. And um, you can find out about it there or you can get on the on my mailing list. Um, but you should be able to st- sign up on Tess during mm-hmm. that time and um also do they get a month free oh yes thank you so you get a free month you can cancel (laughs) at any point and it's uh you you get access to my online workshops which are video workshops and pdf worksheets and um we have live web chats every tuesday which are just really this great time where we gather and do rituals guided meditations and rituals and ask questions and hang out and then um there's also a supportive magical Facebook group. So yeah, TessWhitehurst.com, And also I would love for you to check out my new book, Little Guide to Protection Magic, Everything You Need to Know, including protection spells, which you can find on Amazon and Tess And you can get the Kindle or the paperback at yep, this point. We are both now published. Both available to you. Um, I oh. just real, yeah, go ahead. Also, we would love for you to write us a review on iTunes, on we Apple would. Podcasts or yes. wherever you listen to podcasts. And also give us a call and ask us a question at... We have a voicemail this week. Oh, but I,
1: we, we were We did not think about ahead of time what we were doing like we usually do.
0: Sometimes we forget to discuss, but there is a sort of a structure, so we do
1: kind of know. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't talk about if we were going to answer questions this week. Anyway, um, yeah, you can leave us a voicemail, which we really love. We yes. love those voicemails um, at 828-333-7181, 828-333-7181, oh, Tess likes it when I do that. <laughs> I feel like I have to say that, otherwise people want going to be like, what? <laughs> the fuck is her problem. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's um, my fault.
1: It's all your fault. I'm sure um, other oh, people like it too. Yeah, sure. Who wouldn't like that? Um. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you want to read the bio for our wonderful de- oh,
0: guest? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So. Lilith Dorsey MA hails from many magical traditions, including Afro-Caribbean, Celtic, and indigenous American spirituality. Their traditional education focuses on plant science, anthropology, and film at the University of Rhode Island, New York University, and the University of London. And their magical training includes numerous initiations in Santeria, also known as Lukumi, Haitian Voodoon, and new orleans new orleans voodoo lilith dorsey is also a voodoo priestess and in that capacity has been doing successful magic since 1991 for patrons is a filmmaker of the experimental documentary bodies of water voodoo identity and transformation and was choreographer performer for jazz legend dr john's night tripper voodoo show They have long been committed to providing accurate and respectful information about the African traditional religions and are proud to be a published black author of such titles as Voodoo and Afro-Caribbean Paganism, 55 Ways to Connect to Goddess, the African American Ritual Cookbook, Love Magic, Orishas, Goddesses, and Voodoo Queens, and the newly released Water Magic. Here they are. Hope you enjoy it. We are so excited to be here with Lilith Dorsey. Lilith, welcome to the show. Yay.
2: Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited.
0: Yay. We are so excited too. So I love your book, uh, Water Magic. And I wonder, so I just, there's so much I want to talk to you about. (laughs) Where do we start? Um, Your... Your spiritual practice, I mean, I am just so fascinated in Santeria and in your voodoo practice. This is something that I've heard about, read about, but not like, definitely I'm not an expert in, but I'm so fascinated by. So maybe could you tell us a little bit about your spiritual practice and how you came to it? Yeah.
2: Sure, I'd be happy to. It was kind of a little backwards around things. I mean, I always had magical practices and witchcraft practices, but there wasn't anything formalized. And I think a lot of people can kind of relate to this. They would do something like, you know, throw a pinch of salt or things like that, that are now seen as common hoodoo or conjure practices. But Mm. this is just what we did. And when I I had my daughters, I went back to school to get my undergraduate degree in anthropology and I had one of the worst Obnoxious, Eurocentric, bald, white male teachers Uh, you could get. And he would say, there's no such thing as witchcraft in this country. And there's no such thing as divination. And there's no such thing as magic. And that's all something that primitive people do back in the jungles. And I just hated this person so much. (laughs) And I decided that I was gonna focus on that academically. I was already interested in it from a personal standpoint because I wanted my daughters to have positive images is of yeah. African magic black magic, all these things that we really didn't hear about. You know, my daughter was born in 90. She's going to get mad at me for saying how old she is. But, um... oh boy. 90 and worried about how old she is. How yeah, dare oh, she. Uh, yeah. We both stopped counting. We both agreed we were going to stop counting. So, but, uh, you know, so I wanted her to have something positive that she could look back to that was part of her heritage. And I just started writing about it both personally and academically. And really quickly after that, I met my first food priestess, priestess Miriam who's here in New Orleans. She runs the Voodoo Spiritual Temple and it was like family immediately. Um, It was like the family I was always looking for that would tell me things I needed to hear, not necessarily always that I wanted to hear. And it's so beautiful to still know her today. I brought my daughter in over the holidays really quickly. Everybody had masks on, don't worry. And, (laughs) you know, Priest Miriam just started crying. You know, it was just like so beautiful that we could still be together after all these years and just, Be supportive of each other, really like a family. And, you know, the writing went on to making movies because I'm also a filmmaker. I did my undergrad and grad in filmmaking and cinema studies at NYU. So I wanted Mm -hmm. to make documentaries about real people doing voodoo, doing magic, from somebody who actually knew what it was, knew it from the inside out. And that's gone really well too. So now I have my own spiritual house called the House of Maman Brasheek. I have about Mm -hmm. maybe 10 active God kids, maybe another 15 or so that are not so active because now we're all spread out all over the globe, but uh, a couple of them in Colorado, actually. But um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) so what does that mean to have a spiritual house? Is that like a church for in?
2: Yeah, it's like a temple. I mean, I don't like the word temple or church because I think those are more associated with other traditions yeah. and we follow a New Orleans style voodoo thing. So, we're kind of funky and we do a little bit of this and a little bit of that just like the music and the cooking and everything else that comes from down here. But we study together, we have feast days together, we have we just started a book club. Mm. We I do initiations for them. They call me with their problems, be it money or love or you know anything that they might be struggling with or need advice on. And they support each other too, which is really beautiful in, in every way possible. So again, I think for a lot of them, because many of them are BIPOC or LGBTQ, that they've not really felt like they were accepted and in a family, in their birth families, to mm-hmm. the extent that they could be. So for us to be together, it's really beautiful and know that we can just have a good time and, and also honor and worship in a respectful way and in a traditional way.
0: That's so awesome. I know. I love yes. it. I feel so much excitement while you're talking. Just like, ah, I just love <laughs> hearing about this. So, um, so now let's talk about Oshun. So you okay. are a devotee of Oshun and this is an Orisha. And mm-hmm. so maybe could you talk about, I, I'm sure many of our listeners are not including me, like I might, Mm -hmm. I mean, I might not be totally clear also on the difference between goddesses and Orishas. So Mm -hmm. maybe talk about Orishas and then how you came to follow or be a devotee of Oshun.
2: Okay. Well, Orisha basically breaks down linguistically into the words Ori, which means head, and Sha, which is the root word of Ashe, that's our universal energy, the cosmic energy that runs through all things. So what we're talking about when we talk about Orisha is basically head energy, if, that, if we're going to translate yeah. it exactly what it meant. But they're similar to goddesses, but I don't really like to use that word because I think people have an image in their head about they think about a goddess, a goddess does this, whereas an Orisha is really a guiding force in your life, but it's also mm-hmm. other things. We talk about the Orisha Oshun, the, the Ashe, her energy is present in the river. She's the Ashe of the river, that kind of river water, that sweet mm-hmm. water that you get, that nourishes you, that cleanses you. But she's also the Ashe of things like Oranges and honey, and mm. you know certain animals and certain plants, and and that energy goes through all things, and she is present in all of those things. So while if you're talking about maybe Aphrodite or something, you might leave flowers to Aphrodite because she likes them. But for us, we leave yellow roses for Oshun because she is them, and mm. I think this is a fundamental difference between some of the systems, and that's why I like to just use the word Orisha, even though it's similar to some of the things that we do. With Goddesses, It really is that and so much more. And that to me is really just a different way of looking at the world, a a way of sort of aligning yourselves with your Orisha. You find out you have to, there's a ceremony. You have to have three Babalawos, which are priests in Lukumi or or Santeria, that do a divination reading for you to find out who's the owner of your head. That's what they call it, the ruling Orisha. And they all have to agree. And there are spiritual things you have to do as well. that help unlock that knowledge for you. And then that just really tells you about yourself in a way. I remember- that uh, award-winning author Nozaki Shange was talking about. She was teaching a workshop with a bunch of school children and she asked them to write a story about themselves and they all wrote an Arisha story because for them, they were the same thing as those Orishas, the oh. lessons, the teaching tales, that I don't like to use the word myths because that again, seems a little, it's, it's not as elevated yeah. <laughs> as what we're saying. These yeah. are stories <laughs> about your life. You know, and that's how they understood their lives, and they could. I mean, for me, again, to talk about O'Shun, there's a story about how O'Shun was poisoned. So, this made sense to me that I'm such a picky eater, and I Don't like eating anything else anybody has cooked. And there's certain things I absolutely hate. And all of these are characteristics of the Orisha Oshun. So then it kind of like clicks something in my head. Okay, I have to be careful about what I'm eating. I have a very weak stomach, on top of that, too. There's certain things that maybe, you know, somebody else could eat something that was expired for one day. Me, I'll be like so sick. You have no idea. So I just have to be careful about these things. And she really allowed me to see my myself in a more positive light. So it really is beautiful.
1: It's so beautiful. Like, find How do you find out who your Risha is? I mean, I know you told me you told us like,
2: the ritual.
1: Yeah, the ritual. And
2: yeah, I would say the first thing to do for most people who live in any, you know, decently sized city would be to find your local botanica and to get a reading.
1: Okay. And that will
2: give you guidance as to what Arisha is influencing you in your life. And you can also ask if you're supposed to go forward. And it's called Mono de Arunla. That's the ritual where you get sort of the protection of the Orisha Arunla and you find out who owns your head. So mm. it's a ritual. And if you're supposed to move forward, then the reading will tell you that and then you So sometimes
1: promises. they say
2: no you're not supposed It's to. Not, I I have yet to see anybody who was really turned down if they wanted to go through with that. Now there's steps okay. that you have to take. It costs money. It doesn't cost a fortune, but it costs a few hundred dollars to mm-hmm. get that initiation done, yeah. I see. Yeah. I have and then you think- have to make promises too you know, oh. that go with it. So as you get the initiation, you have to make certain promises about, you know, there's certain ritual things we have to do on Monday. There's certain ritual things about how we have to observe our, ourself, mm-hmm. you know, and our body and how we treat our body. So there's things like that that are kind of, you know, a big deal, but then mm-hmm. you can find out and things get better. So it's so I
0: what I one thing I love about that is how it's built in like because I feel like part of my a big huge part of my spiritual path and I think a lot of us on the magical spiritual path is to remember that we're one with everything to remember that the divine yes we're having this human experience but we're actually also divine and one with everything and I like how it's like It's not just offerings because she'll like those things, but offerings because the Orisha will like those things, but because the Orisha is those things. And then you, it's not just, you know, your patron, it's like you, it's your representation Mm -hmm. of that being. I just think that's so fascinating. So I have another question about this. So I read this book. It, I read this series called the Havana mysteries. They're set in Cuba. I don't know if you've heard of them by Teresa double page. Anyway, she, there's like a Santeria sort of theme in them. They're mystery novels set in Cuba. And, um, and one of the books had a bit about Oya, how Oya is, um, associated with cemeteries and funerals. And then there was the mention that she's also syncretized with the Catholic Saint, St. Teresa of Lisieux. And then I was like, what? Because because (laughs) my family has had funeral chapels for generations. Like that's my family business. And I feel this really deep alignment with St. Teresa of Lisieux. So I was like, Mm. what is this? This is so fascinating to me. So I'm curious about, I don't know, just maybe talking some, uh, amount, talking some about how the, the syncretization of the saints, like, I'm curious about Oshun, like, is she syncretized with a Catholic saint? And if so, who I, I'm really fascinated with Catholic saints. So I'm just wondering if that brings up anything for you that you might want to talk about.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's different for everybody, how they allow the saints to be present in their worship you know i think there's some people that definitely identify as devout catholics but also practice lacuni or santeria and originally I think that was much more of a practice because you couldn't go get an African statue in oh, 1910 easily. Oh, so, oh, and they might've been a lot of the places here in New Orleans and, and places in the Caribbean, they had laws against practicing any kind of African traditional religion, oh but God. it was okay. Like you said, to put a statue of St. Teresa oh, in yeah. the window. And a lot of times I don't have any here, but a lot of times the statues are hollow inside. So what they would do is put the herbs and the offerings inside the statue and statues Ah. are still made hollow for this reason. So as I was mentioning, Oshun, Uh, usually they use Caridad del Cobre and, and there's a lot of synchronicities between some of the stories about she is the patron saint of Cuba, why she's the patron saint of Cuba and how that's connected to Oshun. But for them, what they would do is put some river water inside the statue, put some oranges inside the statue, maybe put some honey, taste it first to make sure it's not poison. And then they would know they were still worshiping the Orisha because it had those items in it, but the outer covering would be somebody beautiful on the water, like the image of Caridad del Cobre, which is, you know, has the little boat with the three guys named Juan in it, which again, I talk about that in, I think I talk about that both in my Water Magic book and my Orisha's Goddesses and Voodoo Queens book, but it's a story about how they were saved on the water and they found the statue and all things like that. So in a way, she became connected to that because it saved them just the way Oshun can save you. If you understand her.
0: Mm. And I've
2: heard people say that Teresa was used because of the flowers. There's a story about Oya being connected to gardens and being in charge of growing things and especially flowers, growing beautiful flowers. And
0: I love flowers.
2: <laughs> I love,
0: I've written a book about flowers. I have like family members who like my ancestors were farmers, like, this is blowing my mind. I think I have a guess <laughs> about who my orisha would be.
2: <laughs> That's great.
0: That's so. so yeah.
2: Yeah. So I think that that was the initial reason, and then there was a lot of things about the actual character of Saint Teresa that I think are very familiar too to Oya and that kind of energy but again it's it's very shifting everybody has their own take on it I've also heard Oya being connected to white buffalo woman and some of the indigenous Mm -hmm. native traditions and having that energy there's also this whole thing about her being a shapeshifter because there's stories kind of like silky stories from Celtic tradition where she would go and and in order to go among the people she would you know take off her natural skin and become human and then go back into the woods and put her her real face on Mm. so you get a lot of things about her being masked they think she derives a lot from the agungun ancestor masquerades in africa so there is a lot of elements that came together to make the modern worship of her and it is components that are catholic and components that are indigenous and components that go all the way back to africa
0: wow you're just you
1: have so much knowledge. You're like a real encyclopedia. That's how I felt <laughs> reading that book, reading water magic. I was like, this is like an encyclopedia. It's really it was hard. Helpful. It was, was so it?
2: hard because <laughs> it was basic like, like put everything about water into how long is it 275 pages. Oh my you gosh, know. you
1: had more. <laughs>
2: It was hard. I mean, I'm usually very quick writing. Normally it's like I get it done and then I have to add more stuff in there. But this really was find every animal that had a water significance, find every myth or legend, find every god or goddess, find every, you know, herb that might be associated with water. Find the planetary associations and how they manifest the divination. So it really was everything and just making sure you cover everything was really hard for me. So I feel um,
0: like you did it. You did a great job. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you. You yeah. you nailed it. So yeah. <laughs> I ha- am I hogging the question. No, I it's totally okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um I would like to talk now about the Mississippi because you mentioned in the book how the Mississippi has a spirit and that it's like the I mean, I heard about this when I was in New Orleans, some, a magical practitioner was talking about the spirit of the Mississippi. And then I was like, Ooh, that you can kind of feel that, that that's like, why New Orleans is so magical. Like, Mm. it's like that energy coming from the Mississippi. And so, um, and you had a story about going to the Mississippi on St. John's Eve and having a really beautiful experience. So could you talk about, I mean, maybe that experience or maybe just your experience of the energy of the Mississippi?
2: There were a couple of times I'm like, which story did I put? In the <laughs>
0: oh yeah. <laughs> um, it was, you went, it, it was like maybe near the be- the first time you had gone to oh, okay. the Mississippi and then there were some other magical practitioners that were there um, also oh, yeah. oh, on St. John's. I John love Z. that
2: story. I love that story because It was St. John's Eve, which somebody asked me once, is Mardi Gras the holiest voodoo holiday in New Orleans, which is really quite laughable because most of of Mardi Gras is really just a big party, so (laughs) not particularly religious at all, but Mm St. John's Eve was the big holiday for Marie Laveau. It's when she used to go out and and do sort of voodoo baptisms either on the Bayou St. John or on Lake Pontchartrain where she had a cabin where she lived and she did a lot of rituals, but normally Now, when people go down to the Mississippi to do offerings, they take the steps down at the end of Jackson Square, which Jackson Square is where the Catholic Church is that she used to go to Marie Laveau, so it's definitely, it has her energy, it has her spirit right there. And it really is like a magical journey just getting to the water, you know what I mean? You have to go over the railroad tracks and you've got to go upstairs and then you've got to go downstairs and then you get to go over to the river. And the first time I went there, I was leaving offerings for Oshun because, you know, since she is the river, the best place to leave offerings are at the river. and. Um, Before anybody comments that it, you know, what am I putting stuff in the river? It was biodegradable, it was orange. (laughs) And anybody who's seen the Mississippi knows it's, it's a lot more polluted with things than just oranges. Mm. So I was going to leave the offerings and I got there and there was just this beautiful woman dressed in her whites with her Santeria priest. And they were leaving offerings and singing and I was leaving offerings and singing and it was just so beautiful. And then later that day, I saw her at the spiritual temple because she's a member there. And she was talking about how being part of the tradition really saved her life. And I just thought that that was so beautiful and so special. And, uh, you know, to be able to connect with the water, you're right, the, it's, it is so magical here because of the water. Or I say this in the Water Magic book, our bodies are mostly water, our brains and our hearts are even more percentage water than our actual bodies. And in New Orleans, we're below sea level, as I remember every time it rains and my yard floods. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like almost that we're living underwater, which in Voodoo yeah. tradition is the land of the ancestors. Mm. It's the land of spirits and we can get tipsy which is what they say when you're here not just from drinking tipsy just from being in the city the same way that high altitudes affect people low altitudes affect people too and that in a way kind of makes a dreamy character to things here it totally
0: does you're right it is like being underwater that's interesting it is yeah it's so interesting because when I went to New Orleans um I Kate I was living in Boulder at the time which is also very high up it's like 5,000 feet up. And I remember I can't, and I love Boulder, but I remember I went to New Orleans and then I came back to Boulder and I was like, this is too clean. It's too <laughs> clean here. It's like the sun and it was so dry. It was like just really different than that. Even though I love both the energies, I also do really love being at a high elevation and the dry air and, and the bright sun and everything has, it's like this real clean sort of like as if you just saged kind of energy all the time yes. where That's new nice. Orleans is just like, yeah, being like swimming, like being a mermaid.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: interesting. Boy, no, it I,
1: I have to go there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: You should definitely. Um,
1: also I love what you said in the book about Niagara Falls and I'm not going to say it right. So hopefully you can clarify, but I loved how you talked about the, um, like the mix of the, how, how do you put it? Like not the bad and the good, but like kind of the both ends of the spectrum associated with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's
2: true. It's funny. I, I the, the part on Niagara Falls in the book, there's a whole section that was written by my friend, which Dr. Utu, who is oh. from St. Catharines in Canada and a lot of their smaller streams feed into what the beginning of the Mississippi is so oddly enough it's kind of like those waters up there are the start of the Mississippi energy we get down there yeah. and it picks up so many things along the wow. way and, and so much character and everything but he has been doing a oh, wow a long time he has a ritual the dragon Ritual drummers their ritual drum group up there that do offerings and ceremonies with the spirit of the falls and They've been friends of mine for over 20 years. So it really is just such a beautiful, again, mix of the native traditions, mix of the legends about the dragon or the serpentine that lives in the falls. And how that, again, takes on the character of the woods that surround it, takes on the character of the people that surround Mm -hmm. it and how it gathers those little swirls of energy, you know, that kind of beautiful in-between kind of feeling. And and that's one of the things I love about falls that they have that in-between energy that they are. i
0: never thought of that. They're like a portal energy. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Because there's so much air infused into that mix and there's such a drop and there's so, you know, there's all of that that goes on in-between and how Mm -hmm. you can use that in your magic to see other things and to see in other realms and and Uh, use that.
0: And that brings me to the Twin Peaks segue, because, <laughs> because you wrote in Water Magic about um, Snoqual- Qualm Falls. Um, legend says that this is the place where chaos in the world was transformed into order. The mm. mist from the falls is said to deliver prayers directly up to the creator spirit. So yeah, there's that mist too. I love that. I love thinking of that with incense is like bringing energy. It's an offering. It's bringing energy Mm -hmm. up. But also this was the, this was the waterfall that's at the beginning of Twin Peaks, (laughs) which is my favorite show. And I know that you also love the show, Lilith. Oh, I am such a do you, uh, great fan. <laughs> you said it like an actress. Yeah, accusation. my question is this, isn't that a good show? <laughs> it is,
2: it's a wonderful show, I love it, I live it, I breathe it, um, mm-hmm. you know, my daughter won't let me make the living room, I just bought a house, my daughter won't let me turn the living room into the Black Lodge, but I may do it anyway, <laughs> yes! against her best witches. Oh I was my like, oh,
0: gosh. God, that would be so cool, you walk into the Black Lodge. Oh my <laughs> gosh, it would be
2: amazing. Oh, Oh but yeah. Gosh. I didn't even realize all those legends about the falls until I started reading the book and I started reading all the legends surrounding those falls. And I was like, wow, what a perfect place for them to have set Twin Peaks. I mean, I've right. written about the magic of Twin Peaks before on my blog because there's so much in there that's oh, magical. I have to read it. Oh yeah. There's so much in there that's magical. And I yeah. think that it, to me, it seems like in a way, almost some of the most real depictions of magic that yes. I've seen yes. because there's that element of chance the, the element of sacred knowledge you know they do do a great job of representing that things can be dangerous which I think a lot of mm. people leave out unfortunately nowadays and you know who we are and what we see and, and going through the waterfall going through the mirror who we are on so many different levels they do a great job of exploring that and uh, I just I, you know I could if that was the only sh- I mean I have a degree in cinnamon television if that was the only show I had to watch on a desert island for the rest of my life, I'd be fine. Yeah, that's kind of what I do. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of
0: the show I come back to again and again and watch just love so much. So, yeah. And it's funny because, like, you know what I'm talking about with it. But my boyfriend and my brother, like, I know, you know, I like to understand what's happening in a show. And I'm like, I do understand. It does. It makes sense yes. to me.
2: <laughs> it does. It does. So definitely. funny. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and everything was so good. I just, I just have to say this about New Orleans and Twin Peaks. One time, I was here from Mardi Gras, and I saw Grace Zabriskie standing on the corner, and I stuck my head out of the car, and I screamed, <laughs> "We love you, Grace Zabriskie!" <laughs> and she smiled and waved back, and like that Aww. was like the
0: Oh my gosh, don't you love that scene in The Return when she opens her face and it's just like that cosmic emptiness and she's like, do you really want to fuck with this? (laughs)
1: Yes. You know what's so funny? I just have to say this because you- you know, I was just standing on that show and my memories of that show are the exact opposite of everything you're talking about. It's like, so <laughs> it's just, to me, it feels like a reflection of life. Like there's magic and then there's like the mundane. We were talking about this last week, actually on the podcast, like how there's magic in the mundane. Yeah. And like just the fact that they created all that magic in them mun- and what I saw as like Hanging around for 14 hours on a
0: boring set. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, like, I see what you because like, your yeah. experience wasn't watching it. It was like, you know, right. while Living. it was being like created. Going,
1: that's right. And like taking a nap in Cooper's bed because I was tired because I was there all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's just so interesting. Like, I just feel like it's kind of beautiful. Like that there was all that magic yeah. happening, you know? It's like,
0: in, like the, it's like... The present moment experience of magic. That's why to me, it's like, not like any other show or movie is, I mean, except maybe other David Lynch movies, but where it's like, I am transported into another world. Like this is really happening. There is truth in this. And I went, I was, I am interested Lilith about how you are also a choreographer and how, and so like to, because to me, my experience of David Lynch and Twin Peaks, is really musical also. It's like, I was trying to explain this to Ted. <laughs> I often try to explain why I love <laughs> to Ted. <laughs> and I, it was like, it's like, there's just all this dimension to it. It's like endless. Like I could just watch it forever and think about it forever and there would be no end. And it like mm-hmm. creates more space in my own mind and spirituality. <laughs> So, um, yeah, do you experience it as musical, like more similar It to is. Music? It really
2: is. It's like a visual dance almost. Yeah. Like I said, I have cinematic training and just where he goes with the images really mm. in a way is what I tried to do in my own work. Like the images were like a ritual that they would draw you in, that they would interpolate you, you know? And I remember mm-hmm. there was a devout Catholic once after I shot my documentary and showed it in my class at NYU. He's like, if your films terrify me. And I'm like, that's what I was going yeah. You know what I mean? That you could present a series of images that would make you feel a certain way Mm -hmm. in your body and your mind. And that would transform you just through the experience of watching it. And that's the way I feel like he gets that 100%, David Lynch, that you're a different person. After mm. you watch it, because you're experiencing things through his way of experiencing things, which yeah. is so strange, but again, like you said, so mundane in a way too, or he wouldn't be able to pull off what he pulls off. So yeah. it, it's like this huge dichotomy of things that exist all at the same time. Right. And, and also beautiful. just
1: like how he is, you know, like as a person is also because totally we don't know that. Like you that. know. Well, yeah. if you like him, I'm sure you know. Just Just from like listening to him talk, you know, he sounds like a Midwestern guy, you know, that's all I mean. Like, just like real, like, how you doing? You know, like,
0: yeah, that kind of thing. (laughs) And like,
1: and that's what's coming
0: out of him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I read his book, Big Fit Catching the Big Fish about creativity. Did you read that? Oh, I read
2: parts of it. Yes. Did you like it?
0: Yeah. I really liked it. And he talks about in it how, um, like just how much intuition and meditation mm. and intuition inform his work, which yeah. that's what I feel like. That's why it makes sense to me. Cause I'm like, this is really like and the mundane yeah too like um this is now a podcast about twin peaks everybody (laughs) we're (laughs) changing the topic um but (laughs) like yeah the mundane how after i watch twin peaks for a while like my toaster oven i'll be like oh or like the coffee maker because he'll like he'll keep the shot on that on something so mundane for so long and then and it somehow takes on the sheen of magic when he does that it's so
2: interesting yeah it does it does all of those basic things take on something else and you're right he does have this midwestern character and i i remember him talking once about blue velvet and he was saying that he wanted uh dennis hopper to be huffing helium <laughs> dennis hopper was like uh, how about nitrous? You know, like, oh just the idea, of, like, his mind was like, let's, let's
0: uh-huh. have helium. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, that would know, be really interesting.
2: Right? Too <laughs> weird for even Dennis Hopper. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's,
1: what that's about your funny. movies? Can we find them anywhere?
2: I'm working on having my documentary, Bodies of Water, that I did in 2004 become available i'm still trying to figure out the best way of that but i do okay. have a youtube channel there's over 100 mm-hmm. videos on there of things that i've made there's experimental ones that's one of my most popular ones about down here in the cemetery to mm-hmm. new orleans voodoo and then there's very basic ones about like oh how do i make a grigri bag or mm-hmm. how do i'm really big on recipes i did a whole recipe series for tarot cards where there's a different recipe for each major arcana card oh, which awesome. i think is a. Uh, it's cool. just a different way for people to get in touch with the cards you know I know yeah. what it looks like you know it's showing up in my reading how do I really understand it and I felt by you know making these recipes eating these recipes people be able to understand it on a deeper level yeah like, like literally
0: internalize it, it. yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's so cool and feel it that's awesome
2: yeah, yeah. I had a client once whose son was special needs. So this was the way that I suggested that she try and get some of these things through to him because he didn't mm-hmm. process information in the same way.
0: Ah. That's
1: a great
2: idea.
0: So um, we sh- oh,
1: oh, go ahead.
0: Well, okay. I have a couple more questions. One of them is, sorry, is that okay? Yeah, Um, so about I want to talk a little bit about the Pacific Ocean and your thoughts about it because I am from California originally. Natasha also lived there in her childhood. A long time, yeah, yeah. And I find that there's something harrowing about the Pacific Ocean. You know (laughs) what I'm talking about? Like in like like a depth that is that brings people out of their ground can remove our sense of grounding or connection or, Hmm. I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, I think like I was saying before, the character of the water shapes the area. So I think that just because this is the character and we're talking about if we look at geologically, you know, it's got seismic, way more seismic activity than the Atlantic Ocean or or several of the other bodies of water we might try and discuss. So I think there's a way that it does have this drastic change about it. And it also shapes the land that's right next to it. So you've got this energy of people being there with it's similar in a way, I feel like to, you know, I've spent a lot of time in England in the White Cliffs of Dover. To me, it oh. seems like similar to that kind of, you've got yes. these cliffs, you've got these drop-offs, you've got mm-hmm. this kind of, you know, interesting energy at those yes. points.
0: Yes, because uh, Matthew Arnold wrote a poem about Dover Beach, and it, it and I always remembered it, and now I realize it is like the Pacific, and th- I mean, this is one part of it uh love let us be true to one another for the world which seems to lie before us like a land of dreams so various so beautiful so new hath really neither joy nor love nor light nor certitude nor peace nor help for pain and we are here as on a darkling plain swept with confused alarms of struggle and flight while ignorant armies clash by night and that to me that you're right that is like the pacific ocean to me it's like that loneliness like where yes. we really don't have any safety and i wonder if right. that like lends itself to that how many cults there are in california like how mm. there's just like there's a sort a unique sort of madness to the west coast that i think has something to do with the
2: pacific yeah, I think you're right. Definitely. Definitely. And that's one of the things that I found so interesting, especially now talking about this. I didn't realize I'd be talking about this book during a pandemic to everybody, but everybody's sort of rediscovering their own bodies of water, their own water magic. Mm, yeah. That's really right near them because you know now maybe I so wanted to publish this book and then go to Snoqualmie Falls and go to you know my friend went to the sacred rivers in Tibet you know right before I wrote it and I was like oh I'm gonna write this and then I'll go you know (laughs) and and now it's been oh okay this is what we've gone gone anywhere yeah (laughs) but we all have some kind of Even if it's just the tap water that we have, there's some kind, which to me, again, is magical in a wholly different way, because it snakes underneath your house and through the cities and from the reservoirs. And, you know, it just takes on a different character, but magical, just the same. And I think exploring that. Yeah.
1: I was just going to say, that's like the magic and the mundane again. Like you can find the magic even there in your tap water. Mm
2: -hmm. Sure.
1: Sure. Okay, and so, we should wrap things up though,
0: okay. Tess. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> one last question. Uh, what is your moon, sun, moon, and rising? Oh, yeah, I definitely want
2: to know this. Oh, okay. I am an Aries sun with a Libra moon and a Libra rising.
0: Oh, I have a
2: Libra moon also. Oh, see? That's great. I like that. That's it. funny <laughs> that
1: you're so, that there's not water in there.
2: No, I almost have no water, which is hilarious because oh, they had me write the water magic book. So it's just hysterical that like wow. you know, I almost have no water in my chart. Yeah,
1: that is so funny. But that's well, balanced,
0: yeah. right? Because the Aries is the opposite of Libra on that. Yep.
2: Yep, definitely. Definitely.
0: Okay. But, well, yeah. where can people find you?
2: They can find me on my website, lilithdorsey.com. They can find me on my YouTube channel or any social media channels. They can go to my blog, Voodoo Universe, which is on Pathios. And uh, yeah, let me know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm
1: excited to check out your YouTube channel. Me I too. can't wait
2: to watch some of those. And videos. your
1: blog
0: posts about Twin Peaks, especially. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, thank you so much, yes, Lilith. It was you. a joy to talk to you.
2: So
1: oh thank nice. you both i had such a great time Yay. okay that was really fun they are so knowledgeable i
0: could have talked to them forever yeah about um, twin peaks mostly about twin peaks <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness um also
1: i just want to Tell everyone, we're going to, we aren't going to have a guest in a couple weeks, so we're going to answer questions then. Um, And we really appreciate all your questions. We will get to them, I promise. Um, So if you want to send a voicemail, too, in the meantime, we have one. But um, other questions we will get to then, and we appreciate you. Right? Yes, correct. We appreciate you. That is true. Okay, so now it's time for... The energy report. Okay. Great. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I sent you a voicemail of me singing the energy report in a new way that I felt comfortable with, and I don't remember what it was
0: anymore. Oh, well, you can go have back it and recorded. listen,
1: but what are we going to do? All right. So, as talked about earlier, the Oh, well, the energy report is the energy trend that I feel into for the week ahead, as well as um, what I've noticed in my clients and myself. I do have to say it's just been like truly just so obvious this week that it's so much about boundaries. And I'm not just saying that because of my class on
0: boundaries.
1: Oh, yeah. i guess the saturn energy is really coming in big time and not only that but a lot of narcissism energy coming up mm. so it's so interesting i wonder if this really was the same thing happening in 1991 to 1994 oh yeah because i certainly was dealing with that then now i am not thankfully um i mean i i guess what i'm saying is i've learned skills not and i also want to maybe be clear when I say this that I would never blame the victim like if you're in a relationship with a narcissist it's not your fault how they are treating you yeah but there certainly are tools and skills and you know mindsets that you can develop um to help you release that or you know if it's not right to leave it maybe you two can change together I don't know It's hard for narcissists to change. I have developed more empathy for narcissists. Yeah, it's not
0: impossible.
1: No, it is not. And, you know, they are just trying to protect themselves as well. I used to have a really hard time when people would defend narcissists because I had, you know, grew up with them. And it was Mm -hmm. the thing about growing. And this relates to what I'm saying here. um, about the energy report is the thing about growing up with narcissists is a lot of times they're gaslighters who try to make it seem like the like what you're feeling and thinking is wrong yeah so when people would defend or like try to have empathy for narcissists i'm like but no <laughs> my feelings are valid my mm-hmm. feelings are valid right. you know for so long it's like They would discount my feelings as being valid. And then that makes you think like, well, am I wrong? Am I crazy? You know, that's where crazy making comes from is being around somebody who doesn't validate your feelings or at least say by validate your feelings. I don't mean they have to agree with you. I just mean they say like okay all your feelings are valid now yeah. what do we do from here right <laughs> like like i disagree with this situation or something that's happening but yes you have a right to all your feelings
0: right yeah yeah and you're and not think, crazy and it's I think happening it's natural for people like us who were raised with narcissistic parents to mm-hmm. um have to go through i think it's healthy to go through a period where you're like nope nope that's just bad those yeah. i'm just angry and then yeah. it's not okay because we're like reclaiming our right to have our feelings instead yes. of like cuz it we were trained so much i mean i i know i was trained so much to ha- like be like somehow for some reason her feelings are totally valid and right and respect yeah. deserve respect and somehow minor wrong and hurtful <laughs> and yeah. like you're bad indicate that there's something deeply wrong with me you know and so and yeah. So to kind of get out of that, I think you have to go through a period where you are not forgiving <laughs> anymore. Yeah. And yeah, um, but yeah, but then it is also at some, cause yeah, I feel like I used to, and I used to also really val I, I valued the idea of forgiveness so much that I was like, mm. oh, I should just be like, oh yeah, I'm over it. It's everything's great. And it's like, no, that also I need to be able to feel my feelings around that. But then, yes. and then there is a point also now that I have gotten to that is like, oh yeah. And narcissists are very, very wounded. Yeah. They're not doing that because they just want to be hurtful. They're doing that that that's like a response to their own pain and their own challenges. You know. Yeah.
1: Well, they're doing it to feel safe because they're terrified of being wrong. Because being wrong for them was, you know, maybe that they got rejected or you know, abandoned. and their inner voice
0: is just so harsh to them that it's like they just can't deal they can't be present yeah. with their own anyone saying that there's anything. well because it's doing death wrong. it means
1: death to them if they yeah. are wrong then it's death like ego death yeah. part of it is because so much of narcissism is about appearance to be saved appearances keep them safe yeah. if they have you know look a certain way or act a certain way or have you know for some of them it's like have the shiny things or a good degree or whatever it cult is. Cult followers. That, cult followers. That that means that they're good and valid and it keeps them safe and the death of that it's really the death of the ego you know it's mm-hmm. all egoic things and so if that is, proves to be wrong then what, what does that Who mean? Who am I? Exactly. Yeah. Who am I? And they're worthless. Yeah. That's what's under it. But um, I didn't mean to go on the whole thing about that side of it. But, you know, then the other side of it is the person that is the subject of that. The one like we were growing up where our feelings were discounted. Also, a really, I don't know if you had this with your mom, but like if you challenged her about anything, it was like. Oh, yeah. You were terrible. And oh, like, yeah. Get out of here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally we're not allowed to. nothing was allowed to be challenged and that's also a real big clue that you're in a relationship with a narcissist if somebody can't have an opposite opinion um, brought forth to them then and without anger then that's a problem that yeah. probably indicates at least extreme defensiveness Um, I mean, everyone gets a little defensive sometimes or feels like, oh, I don't want to feel that or, oh, that felt bad. But it's different to be like, that felt bad. Get out of my life. (laughs) Or like, get out of the room or get out.
0: Yeah. You always do this. You need to really, yeah.
1: always, always. It's a lot of generalizations.
0: Anyway, um, so
1: what I was going to say for this week is helpful with, I mean, really, it seems like. People are really needing to uh, still clear out their space, their energy space of other people's energy but and set boundaries, like needing protection and boundaries around certain people in their lives. And my um, recommendation for this week is to look – if you're feeling worried about the person's reaction to your boundary – to first understand you can't control other people you know that's part uh, of the boundary that's yeah. actually
0: the boundary is what i mean do you part mean? of it is to be like part of my boundary is to realize i can't control other people or to not worry about you, or or to know that it's not in my control it shouldn't be in my control what other how people respond to what's true for me you
1: mean your own inner boundary that's like that, a that's personal like, boundary that's like
0: a part of what defines the boundary do you know mm. what I mean? It's not just like a response to it, but it's like part of it is. To you know in, that you can't
1: control. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It's that I would
1: say. Yeah, it's to me. I would. I think what you're saying is like, yeah, I hear what you're saying. That's part of the boundary to know that you need to set a boundary is to know you can't control other people. Is that what you mean?
0: Well, Maybe? yeah. So like. Know. For, because I of my experience of learning to read my mom's mind yeah of like oh she's gonna respond this way so if I do this then this like yeah so th- it's actually the boundary is to be like oh okay uh, I, I may be able to read that person's mind in some way or to like predict but that's not that doesn't have it I have to remove that from my, how I feel and what is true for me and what I'm gonna say do you know what I mean? Like, out? I do that know out? what
1: you're saying. And there's uh, that's actually a couple of things. Well, one, I would call that a personal boundary, then. Like, I am one of my personal boundaries is I am not going to try to control other people. Right. I'm going to let go of trying to control other people. Yeah. But the interesting thing about what you just said is. You probably couldn't always read her mind. But because these people... Well, let me just speak for myself. My mother, a lot of times I know, I would say like, oh, if I do this, she's going to fucking lose her shit, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, And it's just like, that's what's good. But then sometimes she wouldn't, you know? But because she was erratic and like mercurial and we would never know how she would actually behave. But that was always part of it. It was always like that could happen. Right. Which made it even worse.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: because then it's like I'm always bracing for the thing to happen. Oh, yeah. Which was like created in my nervous system, the trauma of... Having of feeling like I can't trust people like they could turn on me at any Aww, moment, yeah. you know, that whole thing. That's where I had to heal that. Um, it still comes up a little bit like I think I talked about this in the other podcast, like with my dad, even though yeah. he doesn't react that way most of the time now. It's like I still sometimes in my nervous? I have to be like, OK, like talk to my inner child like we're here in the present it's not you're not gonna have the same effects as if you were a kid and this happened. Yeah, you know. He didn't actually ever do that to me as a kid. Um, but hoosers, this is what the so yeah, you could say that's your first step of the boundary. But then sitting with those feelings of what comes up when you let go of trying to control somebody because There's so much energy that goes into wanting to control people and thinking you can control people and um, thinking about how they'll react. So in some sometimes that can be like a distraction and a defense mechanism to not be with yourself and your feelings. Does that make sense? Yes. So by choosing to say like, I (coughs) like, excuse me. Um, okay I'm gonna I need I know I need to let's just say like I'm gonna tell Greg that I'm not going to go with him to the store today and I'm really scared that Greg my cat, no, <laughs> like a cat. <laughs> just imagining a person <laughs> um, like is gonna get upset so um, I'm gonna let go of thinking about how they're going to react and now how do I feel like okay I'm, I want to set that boundary I don't want to go to the store today like sitting there with the oh panic is coming up okay can I be kind may I be kind to myself you know try to bring in the loving parent like okay I'm having all these feelings and letting yourself process and move through those feelings um, I like to put a loving feeling in my heart like just first feeling love in my heart as to those feelings, like as if they were a little kid,
0: Mm.
1: essentially to my inner child. And to like bring that little me into my heart with those loving feelings. Um, So processing it, and then the more that you are, have integrated that fear of their reaction, then you can really figure out, okay, do I not wanna go to the store with Greg? (laughs) And if it's still like, no, like, okay, I'm clear and talk to the inner child more or just like feel into that more like this is really what I want and under- and just keep coming back to that if you have to to let go of like their reaction says everything about them and nothing about me and just soothe yourself. So that's really I would say the lesson this week or the you know my suggestion this week is to just keep bringing focus to whatever comes up if you're trying to control, when you set a boundary, whatever comes up for you, either that you're trying to control a reaction or anything that comes up when you want to set a boundary.
0: Yeah, I, th- I love that. That is such a good way to think about boundaries too, is like, because I'm just thinking about when I first had that realization, like, oh, if someone wants me to do something or invites me to do something and I don't want to, like I need to check in with myself first. I mean, like I used yeah. to maybe not even know if I wanted to or not. Cause I wouldn't, I would go straight to like, Oh, what do they want me to say? What will they, yes. will, what will make them like me more or whatever? Yeah. And then when I realized like, okay, wait, no, like bring it into my body and feel like, okay, do I want to do that? Do I not? And like, when I would then speak the truth of what felt right to me, it just, it, it really shifted my sense of safety it helped my, yes. me too. I had like, I remember my stomach started feeling so comfortable Aww. where it was like so tense before. Yes. It's, well, really it's that, This
1: is like inner child healing. I mean, this is why inner child healing helps you feel safe because you're now bringing in the loving parent to be like, oh, wait, I'm going to set boundaries for you. You're not just like this little kid energy who has to agree to what everybody says. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. And
0: it's like I ha- now I'm instead of like protecting other people's feelings, I'm protecting my own feelings. And then I yes. feel like so safe.
1: Yeah. Then exactly. it's
0: like you can notice like, oh, that hurt their feelings. But then you're like really yourself to be like, OK, but, you know, if I'm your friend or your family member, then I want you to also to be my friend, like who I really am, not just what I think you want me to act like, you know. Yeah. And then you become this. more.
1: Authentic. authentic yes exactly and also the truth is that if you are a person who is like having an authentic friendship or a relationship you don't want people to sh- agree to things that they don't want to do right and you don't want to be friends or in a relationship with someone who wants you to not do what you want to do
0: yes exactly even if
1: you can be disappointed or- You know, that's normal. But like to if you're having a big reaction, that's your stuff and that's their stuff if they have a big reaction.
0: Yeah. But I think that's a good way to think of it with boundaries, too, is like I wouldn't want I would be so sad if I found out like, oh, Natasha really hates doing the podcast. (laughs) is always doing it (laughs) because she doesn't want to hurt my feelings this whole time. I have thought she liked it. You know, I don't want that. I want I would really want her to tell me what she is really feeling.
1: Well, that also brings up the great thing about when you start to set boundaries, you start to notice like smaller boundaries and feelings that come up in you that you realize like, oh, this means that I don't, I, that this isn't a good fit or, you know yeah. what I mean? Like before when you would ignore all your feelings, some people don't even know like what they want for breakfast, or like because they have been... um giving all of their information to other people like having everybody else decide but now it's like I could tell like if you were to tell me you didn't want to do the podcast imagine if everyone found out this way no but (laughs) if you were to tell me I would be really surprised because I feel good when we do it Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and I feel good after we do it and like we were just talking earlier about a situation I was in where I felt really drained afterwards and I, and you were like, Oh, that's a bad sign. I was like, I know that's what I said. It's like, Oh, clearly now I know if I feel drained afterwards, it's either the person isn't a good fit or something isn't right about it. That needs a boundary around it. So like you're really not doing anyone favors when you're agreeing to do things that you don't want to do because they can even if they they can feel it on mm-hmm. some level. Yeah. And you can feel. The last thing I just want to say, I feel like I've said this before, but I had a friend say to me once, "I celebrate your no." Have I talked about oh, yes. this before? You have I just this. Yeah, I think about that all the time because I love it when I was just like, no, I don't want to do that. And she's like, I celebrate your no. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Anytime someone says no to me, I'm so grateful. So I don't want them to be there if they don't. That's the kind of people you want in your life. People who are like, yes, you do you. Who You know, like, be who you are.
0: Yeah, I mean, and they might sometimes be disappointed too. Oh, sure. We all might be like, oh, yeah, no, I really... I'm disappointed that you don't want to do that because I do, but I don't want you to do it if you don't want to.
1: Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, definitely. It's not to say you won't ever be disappointed or they won't be disappointed, but it's just nice to people you know like won't hold it against you or like, oh no, now it's just energy draining. If you feel that energy drain, that's a big sign that you need a boundary. Yeah. Okay. I've talked a lot. Okay. That was
0: great. So now it's time for practical magic. (laughs) Okay, so this week, because of my deep, deep dream magic experience, that was Mm. very uncomfortable and sad, but Mm. (laughs) really, really healing and positive. I mean, just it's one of those things I know. There are certain things that happen that are so magical; just feel so significant that you know you'll remember them. You know, this was like I was like, "Whoa, that was just so very, very clear, exactly about what I need to heal." So that combined with the fact that it's Pisces season and we're coming up on a full moon this Friday slash Saturday, depending on where you are. I think I forgot that. Oh yeah, so dream magic, sleep and dream magic this week is what I recommend. So the crystal amethyst seems especially powerful for this week, to me, intuitively. Uh, If you have an amethyst, maybe sleep with it near your head while you're sleeping, under your pillow Mm. or near your pillow. You could empower it with the intention to receive healing messages in your dreams or to do healing work in your dreams. Uh, You could also make a lavender pillow a sachet Mm. or like sew a little pillow with dried lavender. Other herbs you could put in it would be like, um, passion flower would be relaxing, chamomile, spearmint, Mm. linden flower, Mm. but you could also just do lavender. And then you could anoint the pillow with essential oil of lavender when the scent begins to fade. But that's something you could, it could be like an eye pillow or a sachet type thing that you sew, that you keep near you while you sleep, that will help you sleep. But you can also work with the energy of the botanical and or botanicals in the sachet and the charm to set the intention to sleep deeply, to heal when you sleep, to receive intuitive and healing messages when you sleep. And then also keep a journal nearby near your bed or write in your journal as soon as you wake up so that you can record any dreams that you have during this next week. Or you might want to do it throughout all of Pisces season. It could become Mm -hmm. a Pisces season tradition. Hmm. I like to do that in
1: general. Just keep track of my dreams. Yeah. Do you do that? Sometimes. It's pretty. I think it's interesting to look back on it like that. Yeah, well, I love that. I love sleeps, sleeping, sleeps of all creatures. <laughs> I natures. love the sleeps. I love the sleeps, naps, <laughs> dreaming. So I like that. Um, all right, was that it? That was it. Okay, great. So we will um now do our
0: housekeeping before our card pick, right? Yep.
1: Okay, I have to get my card. So why don't you start?
0: Oh, okay. So you can find me on Instagram at Tess4444, on Twitter at Tess Whitehurst, on Facebook at Tess Whitehurst Author, and YouTube at Tess Whitehurst. And you can find me also on my website, which is TessWhitehurst.com, and that's where you can find my spells and rituals or many spells and rituals and guided meditations, magical inspiration, and you can find us at magic that's where our show notes are which is where you can find links to the oracle cards we use the um, books we mention i try to remember to put everything that we mention into the show notes and you can find us on instagram at magic monday podcast and facebook at magic monday pod and also magic monday podcast listeners
1: and you can find me at highestlighthealing.com. You can um, sign up for the Master Class on Boundaries there and um, sign up for my Inner Child Healing class. And you can find me on Instagram at highestlighthealing
0: and Facebook.
1: All right. So shall okay. we pick our cards?
0: Yes. Do you want to go first? Sure. So I am drawing from... My very own magic of flowers oracle for this week.
1: Why are you smiling?
0: Uh, I don't know. Oh. And I drew. <laughs> no, I don't know. Just felt like it. <laughs> and I drew hydrangea, which is restructure the pattern. So mm. let me look this up here. <laughs> Sorry, this is gonna take a minute. <laughs> it's okay. okay like the priestess on the card your strong magical ability and unwavering intention can remedy the situation immediately and create the quality of energetic momentum you desire remember that everything is energy including your thoughts feelings and clear visualizations by simply holding your intention in mind in the form of a feeling and a calm inner knowing, mm-hmm. you can immediately transform any challenging energetic charge into a purely positive one. Do not doubt for a second your profound, divinely designed ability to affect changes on the quantum level and in the process to send ripples of positivity throughout the entire unified field. So it's there's more here, but hydrangeas are... Um, a flower that is really tuned in to their soil pH it's like the different mm-hmm. colors that show up are based on slight changes in the pH and it it's like that's a similar kind of uh dyna- magical dynamic to restructuring the pattern it's like opening up to the subtleties of any challenges and you can just do this in intuitively it's not like oh, I need to understand logically all the subtleties yeah. of this challenge it could just be like let me just open up to whatever those are. Maybe there's pain or worry or tiredness or some sort of stuckness or I don't know um, uncertainty and just kind of breathe through that, bring it into your heart, whatever it is, whatever the challenges are. Like for me, I know this week, I know exactly what I'm going to work on shifting mm-hmm. and healing and finding where I'm going to bring compassion to myself. And I want to like, this card feels significant in the way that it's like just really open up to all of that. Don't, um, don't like get too narrow on like, Oh, it's this. So I'm just going to heal this. It's like, let me just really feel all the feelings and breathe and be present and then set that intention. It's like in the picture, the woman is bringing in light. She's, she's bringing in a certain kind of light from one hand and then projecting a different Mm -hmm. kind of light with the other hand. So it's that knowing like you have this channel that you can set that intention like any of the pain that I experienced in childhood or the stuff that's coming up now like I have that ability to transform it into something Mm -hmm. that I can use to help heal others or that I can use to help have more compassion for myself or just greater clarity or whatever kind of mastery it might be Mm -hmm. that's the message of this card for this week
1: I like the way you held the card you like waved it at me. Um, you know, it reminds me actually of the energy report about like feeling into what comes up when you need to set a boundary.
0: Yeah. Or like when you right. want to let go of
1: something instead of like yes. trying to figure. Oh, I have to set it. Or, I have to do. Yeah. But just Like
0: yeah. Like oh yeah that that when I when someone asks me if I want to do something and then I immediately feel worried or whatever it is like. Yeah. Let me just be present with that and not be afraid yeah. of that. Or if fear does come yes. up, then like let that fear be there too. But notice it and know that it's not like that isn't you. It's just yes. a feeling that you're having in that moment.
1: And feeling it into your heart, like activating that heart center. Yeah. Well, I, once again, am picking from the Mystical Shaman Oracle card deck. And I picked the Middle World. Oh. Um And... It says, the essence is the middle world is the realm of day-to-day reality and the playground of the living in the present moment where everything is happening. Yet the middle world is created by the future, not only the past, and it is a mirror of the invisible realms. This reminds me of what we were talking about with Twin Peaks. Yes. When things are right in the middle world, heaven and earth support everything. When they are not right, heaven and earth must be brought into order as well. The middle world shows up when conditions are favorable to your undertaking. Do not hesitate. Move forward as heaven and earth are smiling upon you. The time is right, so be expedient but mindful of not being reckless. The world is your playground, and what would require great effort at any other time can be accomplished with ease right now. It's nice. little future telling if we want to believe in future
0: telling. Yeah, well, it's like that resonant energy. Like becoming, I mean, I feel in the, it's similar to hydrangea in the way that it's like bring everything into harmony, bringing the shadow into the light, bring that into harmony with the present moment, the past, present and future. Like it's, there's an integration sort of energy this week, I think.
1: Yeah, and I also like the idea of thinking of it as a playground, like adding a little fun into it too. Like as you're feeling into that, you know what? Also, maybe to bring play and like not take yourself so seriously. Oh
0: yes, yes, I've been getting those messages too lately. Of like, oh yeah, remember just to be too. Like you don't have to always be learning something. You know, you can just like that's
1: hard for us.
0: Be in the moment (laughs) with what you already know. You know, you already know enough. I mean, I hate to say it,
1: but maybe be like Dave Grohl, who just likes being Dave
0: Grohl. Uh, well, you know what? I have been, this week, I've been like, oh, like maybe talking it out. There was something about talking it out on the podcast last week that
2: <laughs> brought me
0: into like less of resistance from those three men that I was mm, talking good. about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Dave
1: Grohl does give me happy energy, so
2: maybe Many someday you'll get him. there. love him.
1: Yeah. All <laughs> right. Thanks everybody for listening. Talk Have to a you great next week. time. <laughs> what the fuck is her problem?